Dude. Cheers. <laughs> Two friends, Chris and Mark, are having dinner together one evening in November. There as well, and some solid. They're in Mark's home, a small converted truck. It's freezing outside, but it's surprisingly cosy in here, with a wood stove blazing and a hot meal on our plates. People don't actually realise where money comes from and what the consequences of that. Mark and Chris are talking about a subject they're both deeply interested in. Corporate, corporate interest, money, government debt, personal debt. It's always slaves to debt, you know, and it's just... Both Chris and Mark voluntarily quit well-paid jobs because of their discomfort with the money system. Creation, it's an idea to say we, there's not enough money is the matrix, that belief that something that is our tool to create, to trade... 31-year-old Donegal man Mark Boyle has managed for over two years to completely eliminate money from his life. Like I remember Henry Ford once said... Um, that if, if the American people understood the money creation process to be a revolution in the morning. Chris is a poet. So, um, are we good to five go? Five poems, five poems. <laughs> Mark is asking him to recite one of his poems. Yeah. So, Matrix, if you fancy it. The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be the most appropriate one, actually. Okay. Um, according to the World Bank, just 227 families own 47% of the world's wealth. Here's a poem about that, and it's called The Matrix. Wake up, Neo. The Matrix has you. You just have to see through the illusion, or you'll rue your delusion. In your confusion, you've been deluded into living in a prison of your own choosing. Do you find it amusing being fed doo-doo by the nightly news, made to crave Gucci shoes while ignoring the real issue? The extraordinarily disproportionate concentration of wealth in the hands of a few. Two twos, you want to cruise the new venue. Two years previously, a storm was brewing on the global economic stage. Another big story we're following tonight. This has truly been a manic Monday on Wall Street. There's the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers, the sale of Merrill Lynch to Bank of America, and word of trouble with the world's largest insurance company, American International Group. We're working to reduce disruptions and minimize the impact of these financial market developments on the broader economy. Group. The stock market suffered one of its worst days in years. The Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged more than 490 points. It is the sixth largest point drop ever. And they're worth showing since the aftermath of the September 11th. But none of this is of any consequence to Mark. In the moneyless world he's created for himself, he's outside the system that most of us live in. A lot of people um, say to me, you know, to think it's a, um, a brave thing to do, whatever, to be genuinely honest it doesn't feel brave um, it in some respects it feels quite selfish um, it, you know in that actually as much as I'm doing it for you know because I want to um, show a more um, gentle and ecological way of living it's actually I want to be happy as well and my whole life of stress and debt and bills and traffic jams and um, eating dead stagnant food from supermarkets just wasn't fulfilling me it wasn't making me happy um, I want to create a world that enables um, our children to be happy and not um, and not slaves to a system that they can't do much about. And so, um, I, yeah, I guess 
yeah, you could say people say that it feels brave, but I think it only looks brave in a world that's that's gone so far down one path that actually a complete act of just non-bravery and simplicity strikes as being brave. That's probably the most bizarre thing for me is that that, that this can actually be seen as brave because it's not. It's just I just you know I I grow my own food and um, I chop some wood. You know, there's nothing brave about that. It's just very simple. And if I can do it, trust me, anybody can do it. 28th of November, 2008. The six Irish banks are to meet the Minister for Finance, Brian Lenehan, this morning to discuss raising capital and possible mergers. The development comes as a series of potential... The headlines about the economic crisis were getting worse. But everyone has agreed sick banks will only add to Ireland's growing economic woes and action is needed soon. Something else made the news that day. It was the day before Buy Nothing Day. And an Irishman was announcing an ambitious plan. Now, tomorrow is Buy Nothing Day, although the recession here means most people are going through days like this quite often. One man, though, is going to make a day a whole year. He's from Ballyshannon in County Donegal. His name is Mark Boyle. He's 29 and he lives now in Bristol. And he's been telling me about his plans not to spend a penny for 12 months. I've been talking about this whole no-money thing for a while. And I, I, I kind of think it's time to actually put my potatoes where my mouth is. And uh, so I'm going to spend one whole year with no money, just giving and receiving freely on what, what we call like a, a paid-forward basis. So I'll kind of have people for you know a little bit of food and help other people for some shelter and stuff, and uh, it'll just be giving and receiving without actually money-changing hands. You know, I'll probably do some work for people, and I, you know, in financial terms, come out really badly, like, you know, do a full day's work for a bag of votes. And, you know, my friends think I'm crazy because it's, you know, on, on purely financial terms, it's a really bad deal for me. But it's because we value food so little these days that it actually seems so bad. But I'm more than happy just to have my basic need, needs met. Do you think um, you'll survive the year? I'm going to do my best. You know, it's, it's like anything, it's an experiment and it's going to be extremely difficult. And the main challenges are going to be the stuff that I, that I don't expect or don't know are going to happen. So, yeah. Two years after that apprehensive announcement, I'm on a remote farm outside Bath in the English countryside to see what happened next. It's early morning here, it's 7am. I've got up about half an hour ago, done some exercises. I think um, it's, it's not crucial to be physically fit to live this lifestyle, but it's definitely much more enjoyable. It's very outdoors. Um, but after I've got that done, it's breakfast time and for me that's um, some porridge oats just with water, you know, with whatever fruit's going at that time of year. Um, right now I've got some apples stored. Um, these are walnut trees here and about four or five weeks ago I picked and stored about 5,000 walnuts. Once you get them in and dry them out then you've got walnuts for next year and it's a really good source of protein. Prepare for new Colgate Max Fresh. The only toothpaste packed with thousands of cooling crystals for mouthwash freshness that explode in your mouth. Like this. Cooling crystals wow. only in Colgate Max Fresh. Colgate Max Fresh. So for toothpaste, I use a mixture of cuttlefish bone, um, ground up by a cut-through razor, and, um, and wild fennel seeds. And I grind up the wild fennel seeds in this porter mess that I have here and then um, you grind that for a little bit and um, you then mix the cuttlefish bone in and you've got yourself a perfect toothpaste. Um, the 
the colour fishbone axis an abrasive and this axis the antibacterial um, agent. The only difference with this is that I, I picked these seeds um, wild and, and the colour fishbone comes washed up in the shores so um, it's it's again it's just using the resources that are at hand um, and not, not requiring like a um, a huge um, industrialised system to produce um, your toothpaste. One of my first jobs in the morning is just the last thing you want to do after a long hard day outside is to come in and help to get the fire set up for 15 minutes before you can light it so usually when I wake up um, I break up the wood and chop up some. Yeah, this is where life becomes very real because you know in the, in the past it's so easy to turn the central heating on and um, you don't think about you know all the energy behind that that button. For here, it's like if I want to burn wood all day, I've got to chop wood the previous day, or you know, or for two or three hours to actually provide that wood. Um, so I'm I've got to make a choice now. Like if I want to, if I want to heat all day, I've got to do a lot of work. So sometimes it's just easier to um, not have to do so much work. And it's and for me, that's one of the critical things about how we live now is that we've got no appreciation for where our stuff comes from. I chop down wood from the local area, um, then axe it up and make it small enough so it fits in my wood burner. Um, it's actually it's a job that I actually, for reasons I can't fully understand, really enjoy. And I think it's something quite primal in us um, that wants to provide for our families and for our loved ones and um, to make a you know, warm place for us to be in the evening. So, yeah, I could spend, I could easily spend four or five hours chopping wood and, um, and not get bored of it. If I could say my happiness rating pre-2007, probably I'd give it five out of ten. My happiness rating post-2007, probably give it a nine, nine point five. The moneyless lifestyle is a radical departure from Mark's life growing up in Ireland. I uh, studied in Galway for six six years and then went, went over to live in Edinburgh. I was just drinking too much in Galway. I'm a friend of big drinkers. And what did you study in Galway? Um, business and economics. Yeah. And, but I found myself as good. I was five, six nights a week. I just thought like, I don't want to wake up from 80. I've been like, you know, pissed the last 60 years away. And um, that's not the purpose of my life. Yeah, the original plan was to was to make as much money as possible, like just like everybody else. I wasn't any different in that respect. But then uh, after, you know, like you you read, you learn, um, you observe, and I was looking at a world where it didn't make any sense to me anymore. I was very um, I was very immature in my understanding at the beginning. I just felt something wasn't right, economically or ecologically. And yeah, I guess so, like, when I tell people now that my background's in economics and business, you know, like I managed a couple of businesses, organic businesses over here, and I tell them my background, they're really surprised, because they're like, well, you know, that's a million miles from what you're doing now. And I, in, in some respects, it's actually, it was so important that I studied what I studied, because I think in order to understand and change the system, you need to, 
yeah, you need to first grasp how it actually works and see the flaws within it. Because I couldn't, un- I couldn't understand what's happening now in the world um, without that background, and and so it's been really useful. But yeah, quite ironic that I'm, yeah, I'm an economics graduate. I'm living with money. It's probably most people think that's a bit of a bizarre life change. See, how can a market be free when members of the same families, the same ancient conspiracies, get to print our money, lend it to our governments and charge us usury? It's an unusually cunning plan, this money for old rope. Bankers getting richer while whole countries go broke. Entire populations held in a chokehold of poverty, reduced to criminality and getting used to rat race banality. One thing none of us can do without is food. Without money, Mark needs to find food some other way than by paying for it. He grows organic vegetables and, as he is a vegan, doesn't need any meat or dairy. He's mostly self-sufficient, but sometimes he goes looking in skips for food that gets thrown away by shops every day. I I, I can obviously understand why that doesn't appeal to a lot of people who think if the thought of food coming from a bin is pretty disgusting. Um, But the reality is that actually... The food is completely wrapped up. It's, it's completely exactly the same as it would be on the shelf. Um, if you can get over the stigma of it actually being in a bin, that's you know probably cleaner than some people's um, um, plates. In one bin, we found um, about a thousand jars of organic fair trade chocolate spread, which retails over here about three fifty. Um, so yeah, almost three grand's worth, over three grand's worth of um, of chocolate spread. Um, yeah, gone past the state, and I think they had so much off it they just decided to chuck it. And which is it? It's symbolic of the logistical systems we have here. Like the chocolate spread will last for ten years. It's basically sugar, you know, and chocolate. It's it's not like it's going to go mouldy the day after. But his real passion is finding the wild food that nobody else even sees. We're about to go off um, wild food foraging, and that basically means um, to to yeah just to go and pick food that hasn't been planted. Um, so we're surrounded by wild food everywhere. You know, even in cities, you get nettles, um, you get your ramsons, uh, you get your berries, um, and and it, it it it's literally free food. Um, an economist once said, "There's no such thing as a free lunch," but I beg to differ. Um, I I I eat free lunch regularly, and it's it's something you don't even have to plant. And um, and I'm always surprised by how um, how much humans now can't even see food that is abundant around them, and um, and we often see weeds as being food. A very very common one, a very very common example of this is is the lowly nettle. They, they grow everywhere naturally, and um, we in the UK we actually pay our councils to cut these things down. Yeah, we go off to um, the local supermarket and buy it for two quid a pop, um, dried in in, in tea bag form. Which makes no sense to me from any angle, and um, and and people think you can't pick nettles, but um, because this thing, but actually it's again it's just about being careful. So what do you do? Pick it from the underneath. Just pick it from underneath, yeah. And but it, it like the first time you try this, you will sting yourself. Oh, oh like be warned. But I, I actually nettle sting is actually very good for your immune system. Um, it stimulates you. Um, it's so once you've actually got your nettle. Um, there's a number of things you can do that you can. It makes a really good soup. Um, 
it's very nutritious, it's very high in things like calcium apparently, um, and, um, but actually what most people don't know is that you can actually eat them raw, and the reason most people don't think that is because you think putting a net in your mouth is um, you know, close to burning in hell. Um, but it's again, it's about how you how you handle the nettle. So um, the the technique really is to fold it around. Um, again, learning the art of not stinging yourself while doing this, unless you want your immune system to be stimulated, of course. And the last thing, yeah, you want to do is actually put this in your mouth like this because it's full of needles that are going to sting you, and that wouldn't be very good for your for your throat on the way down. So the key is to stick it in the palm of your hand, see that there, and give it a bit of a roll. And in doing so you break off the needles. That's not stinging you? Not stinging me at all, no. I'm one of these sad people anyway who quite likes this, the feel of a nettle sting. But yeah, I'm incredibly sad. But have you got any nettle stings there? Not, not uh, one. Um, and then it's just a matter of... And I'm not rolled over on the ground in agony. It's actually quite nice. And very nutritious. What does it taste like? It tastes like nettles, um, to be honest. Um, it's it's quite unique. Um, quite strong. Um, if you haven't tasted raw nettles before, it's quite hard. It, it's quite hard to understand how it tastes. Um, I think the best advice I can um, give is just go and try some um, it's free it's very very good for you you don't have to grow it no effort is required and um, and it actually connects you with your local environment it gives you more of an appreciation for what's around you so do you eat a lot of nettles? Um, yeah it's um, yeah there's always nettles around and so if I'm out for a walk I'll just you know snack along the way and um, and then some evenings I'll you know chop up loads and make a nice big soup out of it, especially for, for the winter evenings. How did it kind of evolve to get to this? Yeah, I guess there's two kind of crux points, and the first was in the last year of my degree. Um, it sounds very cliched and, um, and cheesy, but um, I, I watched a DVD called Gandhi, friends who keep telling me how much it costs them to keep me in poverty. <laughs> but I know happiness does not come with things, even 20th century things. It can come from work and pride in what you do. And then, um, and it, yeah, it did have a huge impact on my thinking and about how I was living, and I was I was living in a way that was all about me accumulating more and more and having a good time, and you know, in the way I used to think of a good time. It's estimated that around 75,000 people visited the largest shopping centre in the country on its opening day. The first phase of Dundrum Town Centre employs 4,000 people and cost 850 million euro. And through the last decade, spending and consumerism were spiralling. Local people queued from early morning to get their first look inside. I just want to see the shops, see, <laughs> see all the nice things that's in the shop. I'm living in Dundrum for the last 38 years and this is one of the great moments. At 
10 o'clock, the waiting ended. 90 shops have opened their doors here today. When this phase is complete, it will include 25 restaurants, a 12-screen cinema complex... Meanwhile, Mark's life was going in the opposite direction. I went from being, like when I was younger, being quite a high consumer, um, then to, after I finished my degree, I went to the UK and got involved in organic food, um, which um, kind of got me in thinking about things around ecology and the environment. And from that point on, I started to be a bit of a less of a consumer. But yeah, I lived in Bristol. I lived on a yacht, and um, quite a nice yacht that I owned in Bristol Harbour. Neo, I'm counting on and the countdown started. Rotting. You catch on fast, kid. It seems you get my meaning. It seems you're, I'm appealing to the divine in you, the sublime spark of light in you, shining through every single sinew within you. The part of you that really wants to take the red pill and not the blue. And, um, and then I guess the, cru- the, the second real important crux point came back in 2007 where me and a, fr- a friend, we were just um, philosophizing on my yacht um, drinking a glass of Merlot, I think, and um, having a pretty nice evening. And uh, I had a lot of realizations about um, about money. And um, I, I, up to that point, I'd be kind of looking at all the issues in the world, such as you know climate change and peak oil and factory farming and sweatshop labour and all these big things that we think of as crucial. Um, and and looking at them as all separate issues. And I, at this moment, I realized that actually they've all got a common thread running through them. And for me, that's our disconnection from what we consume. And so I realised, the second part of this realisation was that the tool that enables that disconnection to happen is is money. We can now have a relationship with somebody um, in New Zealand or South Africa to get some of our fresh produce in winter. And we can have a relationship with people in Iraq to get our oil from. Yeah, so about an hour after that realisation, um, I put a for sale sign up on my um, yacht, which killed me because I used to love that yacht. It was my one thing I really cherished. And um, it was such a beautiful boat. Mark used the money from the sale of his boat to set up a website, the Free Economy website. Yeah, the Free Economy is now a worldwide movement um, in over 150 countries around the world. One of the only kind of rules on free economy is that you can't use money, and it's effectively it's a it's a sharing website, and it's really around effectively around helping people for free. And it, so it, what kind of stuff? Like, what would be an example of the kind of thing that would happen on that? Uh, things from getting your hair cut seems quite regular. Um, people get their hair cut on free economy quite often. Um, from in exchange for there's no ex- one of the keys to free economy is there's no exchange. It's not a it's not a bartering system. Because in, in some respects, bartering is quite similar to money. Um, it's just a bit more awkward. Throughout history, many goods have served as money. Feathers from the Quetzal bird were used for exchange by the Mayan Indians up to the 15th century in Central America. Tea leaves compressed into bricks were traded in East Asia through the 1800s. So what free economy is about is about moving beyond exchange. Like I always ask... What other reason do you need to help somebody than the fact that they need some help with something? Why do we always need to get something in return? Like, have we really evolved that point as human beings? That we, we always have to get something back of similar value? And so free economy is, is basically just unconditional giving. Mark's living space is modest, 
with enough room for a bed, a desk and the wood burner made from an old gas bottle. He's able to park it on the organic farm in exchange for growing vegetables there. As we walk around the farm, he shows me how he does the day-to-day things that we take for granted. Yeah, so this is the river where, um, where I wash um, myself and wash my clothes. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty gorgeous in the, in the summer. I'm um, not quite so easy getting in here in the winter, as you can imagine. It's freezing, is it? It can be quite cold, yeah, but it's, it's quite good for your own self-discipline and, and you don't spend too long in the... Uh, you don't spend 10 minutes in here. It's more of a quick wash, get in nice and get dry. Like, I don't use soap, which yeah, can sound disgusting, but actually it's much better for you. But yeah, sometimes I've got a... There, there's a, a wood-burning shower around here as well. And um, and if it's, if it's like, snowing, I don't get into the river here, so I'll, I'll use the wood-burning. But I actually quite enjoy it. It's, it's a beautiful surrounding and... Um, worst places in the world to wash. The VHI, which announced a surplus of more than 70 million euro for the last financial year, has confirmed that it wants to increase premiums by 8.5%. Opposition parties have objected to the proposal. A&E is the crunch point. We need more beds in our hospitals. We need to free up the existing beds. While we often complain about our health service, I wonder what it would be like if your principles precluded you from using it at all. You are relying on yourself to provide for yourself. So do you ever think about what you would do if you get sick? Yeah, in terms of health, um, of course, you know, it's, it's a very emotive issue. And um, it's something I, I, you know, often very reluctant to talk about because everybody's got different opinions about forms of um, health care. Um, but, like, my own personal beliefs are more in um, in keeping with herbalism. And, and I, I think that that nature provides all the cures that we need. Taking the hay fever example, I tried drugs and steroids for you know over 18 years um, to cure hay fever, and it wasn't until I found um, a weed in a field called plantain that I actually um, cured my hay fever each summer. Um, and so, yeah, so my health care, yeah, it's been two years since I've been ill in any form. But I think the other really important part is that actually We've got an inflated sense of our own importance, um, humans, and um, like nobody asks any other species on the planet whether they've got um, healthcare insurance or whether um, you know whether they're concerned about their health. You know the the birds that are flying around us right now. I don't think they're sitting in a tree concerned about their health. You know, <laughs> it's it's us who worry about such stupid things as, as that. And uh, and so yeah, like if I'm 45 and I get some fatal disease and I die, I'm, I'm, I'm not important, you know, I'm one being of one species out of millions on the planet I'm, it, it, it really doesn't matter, you know It might feel like it matters at the time, no Yeah, of course I accept that and I like, and years ago I would have felt the same but I, I think actually I've done a lot of personal work on, on that issue and it's like I really, I've come to the point where Actually, if my time comes to go, I'll, I don't want to preserve my own life at the detriment of the rest of the planet. And if we're reliant on healthcare systems that are um, that are killing off, um, you know, fifty thousand species every single year, totally extinct, and because of our globalized structures, then I'm I'm 
preserving my own life at the expense of all else that I see beautiful in the world. Back in 2008, the Celtic Tiger was sinking to its knees and there was fear about what the future would hold. Welcome back. You're with the News at One on RTE Radio 1. So, now it's official. Ireland is in recession because we've passed the test. Negative growth for two quarters in a row. But while most people were being forced against their will to scale back, Mark was doing it because he wanted to. They set a date where I was going to start living with money and then spent three or four months putting in place the the mental and physical infrastructure to do that. Like So, kind of weaning myself off my own personal consumption addictions. And, and yeah, you know, find, from like finding the caravan on free cycle um, to getting the wood burner made up from the old gas bottle. The big questions now, how long, how deep? Very deep indeed for 220 people at Tyco in Cork who've been told that their jobs are to go. The plant there in Bishopstown assembles electronic anti-theft tags attached to clothes and other products in shops. Most of my possessions I give away just to people who wanted them um, and... I just felt they were cluttering up my life um, and no, no major um, more reasons than that one. I just didn't feel like I needed them anymore and people, I found people who wanted them more than me. Um, like what kind of stuff did you uh, At the time I had a computer I gave away. Little bits and pieces like books and DVDs and, and, um, and little bits of technology like iPods and that kind of stuff. Yeah, mainly gadgets that I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be part of my life anymore. And then I also had some money in the bank and I gave some of that away to stuff that I believed and some to friends who needed money. And um, Was it not hard as well? Was it not scary kind of giving away the last bits of your money? Obviously, you know, giving every last cent you have away and having no security to fall back on. Like we, we think of security as, you know, if we've got some cash in the bank then at least we've got something to fall back on. And giving that away, of, you know, and having no security blanket, it brings up issues inside probably most people um, but it was hugely liberating like just to put my complete trust in 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 the world you know and then like I'll be able to survive in my own probably trust in myself that I'll come up with solutions to all the problems and challenges I'm going to be faced with the last thing I bought was um, a book called The Prophet by Cleo Gibran um, just before I started my money this year it, it was more just a, a nice book to have for the cold winter nights in by the wood burner and there goes the red pill. He says wisely, bro, so don't worry if the room starts spinning. That's just the beginning. The red pill disrupts your input-output carrier signals and we've found that confusion often abounds around about the time you hit ground zero. So hold tight, Neo. Here we go. On the first day um, of the living morning, this, I was organising... Um, an event uh, like a free feast um, the first one was for 300 people Like, um, but I, yeah I, I realised I needed some sellotape for um, to hang up a poster on the window and um, I walked off towards the shop um, and I got halfway and I realised actually I can't I can't go into the shop and buy this anymore so I had to come back and, and um, use a bit more ingenuity with the poster and so yeah it became very apparent in the first few hours, that how much my life was going to change. It didn't really hit me until the first morning how much my life was going to change um, by giving up cash completely. And so after the initial fear in the first six weeks of, am I going to live, am I going to survive this, um, faded as I was obviously still alive, um, then it 
yeah, I just really eased into the freedom aspect of it and just going like, actually, whatever I need just comes to me now and it's, that's been my experience every day. Like, Is there anything you miss though from before, like luxuries or... That's red wine. Yeah, it's... <laughs> the southwest of England isn't great for a red wine. Or just being able to go to the pub and, you know, buying my friends around. You know, things that I quite miss. I think it, it brought up a lot of male ego issues for me at the beginning. Like, because of the culture we're brought up in, it's like... Um, you're almost fighting at the bar to be the first person to buy around. You know, that's what we do. I, I, I like that culture. That's something that's really sweet, I think, about Ireland. Welcome to the real world, Nia. Ah, yes, your eyes hurt because you've never used them before, and your throat sore because you've been forced to snore for 20 years or more. But you're awake now, my son, and there's work to be done. Mark's moneyless experiment was meant to be for one year. But coming into the last few weeks, he realised he didn't want it to end there, and a year has become a life path. A few days before the year was meant to be up, um, I started to feel really um, anxious about, you know, going back into the monetary economy, and um, and worrying about like, you know, you know, what kind of work am I going to do now, and and um, how am I going to live? And I decided to keep on going. I love my life now. I've never been healthier, never been fitter, never been happier. Um, so I just thought, why go back to a life that made me less happy? As the rain comes down outside the caravan, I find it hard to imagine having the conviction to live a life like this. In the last year, Mark has written a book, which ironically has been selling really well. The money has been going into a fund to buy land for the next phase of his project, The Moneyless Village. And the next stage of the plan is to actually scale it up to a village level where um, myself and and between 15 and 20 other people will be living around money on on a 100% local economy um, project. Um, And and yeah, if anything, we're getting more extreme. I don't like the word extreme because it's got a lot of stigma attached to it, but more pure would probably be a better word where... Um, where I do use a slight bit of waste from society, like you know, a tiny little bit of waste foods every now and again, and then some parts for the bike. Um, but we're going to be building structures that are made completely out of local materials. We're going to be eating food that we've all grown ourselves in a forest garden. Um, we're going to be doing every single thing we can, our clothes or fuel from the land that we're living on. Free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want. Living money, this of course does bring up some issues around um, personal relationships and partners in the future and families. I'd be lying if I said didn't. You know, it, it, it's one of those little demons that, that plays on you. You, you think, you know, is this going to really affect that whole aspect of things? Such a thrill. But your love won't pay my bills. I want money. That's what I want. That's what I want. When I started off in the moneyless path, I was um, seeing a girl, um, and uh, that didn't work out. You know, often people like to pick up on that and and um, and think that it was to do with my being moneyless, but in fact, it, it was just the relationship just wasn't working out like the vast majority of relationships don't work out 
Um, and um, but yeah, it, as, as any as anybody who's got any belief in life, and and will only go over people who who are on a similar path can empathise with. Um, it obviously narrows down um, the proportion of the population that I can actually go over. So if you're if you're vegetarian and you only go over vegetarian, obviously you can only go over you know three and a half percent of the population, which you know isn't it isn't great odds. If you're living moneyless, um, like me, and and you're a long-term planner to live moneyless, and you can then effectively only go out with somebody who's prepared to live moneyless for the rest of their life, it narrows the population down to about um, zero. Um, so, um, well, you know, it's it's it is more difficult to um, meet people, but I've got complete trust in what I'm doing. Like it's not something I worry about. Like I I believe that whatever you need in life comes along at the point when you need it, and I'm at the moment I'm. Just really focused on on what I'm doing. If somebody happens to come along in that process, um, that's absolutely adorable and gorgeous, and um, and I love the bits. Then excellent, you know. But I'm not I'm not going to um, change my entire life um, to if I did change my entire life um, to you know to have a relationship like that with somebody, I'd, I'd be incredibly unhappy, you know. Um, that person would be wouldn't be seeing the best of me. So I think the, the first thing is to live. Um, true to your own beliefs and everything else will look after itself It's dinner time so I'm cooking al fresco as usual I am and I am So um, what's for dinner? Yeah so for dinner this evening we're I've got some potatoes I just picked um, yesterday afternoon, and all all of it is actually stuff that I've grown here. We've got leeks, which we've got just tons of at the moment. Squash again, which is um, tons of some carrots, quite a lot of veg um, this evening. So I hope you enjoy it. You know, sometimes the odd day it feels like a bit of a chore, especially if it's wet and cold. The majority of the time I just love, it's my chance in the day to get away from um, all the other um, pressures of life and different things that are going on and I actually just have time um, by myself um, in amongst the trees um, cooking. So it must be really gorgeous during the summer. Yeah, I wouldn't swap it for a world in the summer. You, you can often see the moon come up over there and the sun go down um, on the west and you get to see both sometimes. Um, and it's, on full moon it's just gorgeous. Like You can just sit out here with the flame going and a huge moon coming up over the horizon. And um, you got to be thankful in times like that.